Welcome to the Mind Body Health Show, everybody. My name is Cobb. I'm in the studio about to be joined by your intrepid host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. And with that, we're going to move right in to Mind Body Health. Welcome, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Hi, Cobb. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm a little sleepy, but otherwise I'm all right. Okay. Um, we're going to have a great show this morning about the CRC, Cancer Resource Center. And I have two people in the studio with me, Karen Usland and Sue Sweet. And um, I'm going to just start off by asking how, Karen, uh, how did you get to Mendocino County? That's a fun question to answer. Uh, my husband and I moved up to Mendocino County in 1989. We were 23 years old and newly married. He had accepted a job teaching at Laytonville High School, and we moved up from Santa Rosa, which where I was mostly raised, and I got a look at where we would be living, which was in Branscombe, California, my new home, and uh, it was kind of a culture shock. But no <laughs> I adjusted to rural life. He taught at Laytonville High School for nine years. I eventually found gainful employment here, and we had two beautiful boys, and we just stayed. It wasn't our intention to stay. We thought, we'll live there a while till we save some money and can go back to Sonoma County, but that never occurred. We stayed. And, yeah. So, Sue Sweet is someone I've known for a long time. Yeah. Hi, Marvin. Hi. How did you get here? Uh, we moved up, kind of a similar story to Karen, um, from uh, Sonoma County uh, in 1990. And uh, my husband got a job up here, so we moved up and we wanted to raise our daughter in a more rural environment. We were in Petaluma. And uh, same thing. We were thinking, well, I don't know if we're going to stay, but we ended up and here we are. We're still here and we love it. And um, yeah, Mendocino County's home. Sue's daughter and my children used to do homeschooling together. Campfire. Campfire boys and girls. Mm -hmm. It was um, a lot of fun. So this morning, the CRC is a cancer resource center that a lot of people probably don't know about and don't know what a wonderful resource it is for the community. And uh, Karen is going to tell us, uh, first of all, just tell us about the CRC and what that program is. Sure. The Cancer Resource Center is a local nonprofit agency. We've been around for about 27 years. It was started by Sarah O'Donnell, a cancer survivor herself, who um, years ago when she first had cancer thought, you know, I wish there was more help here. I wish I could go and sit down with somebody and just talk over what is going on and get some answers. So she and some others uh, started this agency um, in a little, almost like a garage in an alleyway in Mendocino. And we've been around 27 years. We provide pretty comprehensive support services to anyone with cancer in Mendocino County. We have an office in Fort Bragg to serve the coastal people. We have an office in Ukiah to serve inland residents. And we provide everything from, you know, a little financial help with transportation, um, some help um, preparing for medical appointments. Our signature service is patient navigation. So when someone's in that moment of free fall, um, panic, anxiety, when they first learn they have cancer, our patient navigators are trained to sit down with that person and just 
listen to their their questions, help them develop a, a question list for their consultation with the oncology doctor to understand their diagnosis and, and what's coming next, to understand what their options are, and then just solving any what we call a barrier to care, anything that's going to make it difficult for that particular person in their life to get their cancer treated. Um, maybe it's transportation. Maybe it's a lack of insurance. Um, maybe it's just not having the social support, friends and family to help them. People have a lot of different issues. And some people are totally, uh, totally socially, financially secure. I've got a great car. I, you know, I, this is not really going to be a problem. But they still just need somebody to talk to. They can still benefit from understanding the process and you know what usually happens in the circumstance what can i expect so and you know, we have emotional support uh cancer support groups all kinds of help is available what's surprising to me it's all free of charge that's important for people to know and some people are shocked by that uh some people are shocked so we are supported by the community largely the mendocino county community uh, we do not have uh, government funding we're not our services are not reimbursed by insurance we don't get medicare we don't get medical we we don't bill anybody uh, to be reimbursed for services that's important people donate and we fundraise as we will be doing Saturday. And uh, we have some great grants in place. Grants come and go, and they're wonderful. Um, but it's really that ongoing community support from generous people who ensure that this service is available. And it's so important in this rural area that people have this kind of help because, you know, we're not a city with all kinds of help available, and people live pretty remotely out here. Even a city with all kinds of things, I think that. It's unusual to have a one-stop shopping, so to speak. And I think having the diagnosis of cancer is uh, pretty upsetting to most people because you're not expecting it. No, nobody thinks that they're the one that's going to get cancer. And to have somebody experienced to help you through the experience, I think, like you say, just getting through the front door right. is amazing. Mm -hmm. So Sue Sweet um, is one of these people that are going to help you get through this in a calm, organized manner, and tell us what you do, Sue. Yeah, so I um, uh, am a MFT art therapist, and um, I just want to do a little caveat in that. Um, in 2010, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I utilized the Cancer Resource Center and discovered them in 2010. And <clears throat> they were life-saving for me to go to the groups that were happening there to talk to other breast cancer patients to um, get help with the patient navigator you know where they they uh, record your sessions with your doctors so you can play it back and remember because it's hard to remember anything um, when you're in that situation so that was the that was pivotal for me because after I you know was in years later um I was lucky enough to um, start to facilitate some of the talking groups, and that just felt like full circle for me. It was really great. Um, so now, well, in the meantime, in 2015, I started um, my own art therapy cancer support groups, and uh, the hospital was partnering with me at that point. Um, and the art therapy groups are, uh, boy, they just serve so many uh there's so many things that that can happen through that group um where 
all the universal um, kind of issues come up that cancer patients face. Uh, you were just talking about how you get that diagnosis and how hard it is. And, you know, we kind of are externally focused, right? And then when we get a cancer diagnosis, it's all of a sudden it's really internal, like, oh, my God, I'm mortal. You know, what's going to happen next? Um, so the group really supports each other through that journey. And um, they, I, I offer art processes that help them gently look at that journey and yeah Des describe the art therapy class because i've seen it and it's it's incredible what people are able to uh, put down on paper what's going on inside of them i thought that was a fascinating process yeah well it's 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 process oriented it's not product oriented so you don't have to be an artist to do art therapy and that's a misconception um it's about um, kind of bringing what's happening on the inside and 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 letting it rip on the outside, whether no matter what it looks like, it could be. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's no right or wrong way to do it. You know, whatever comes out has information for you. So um, once you express yourself, then you can get a good look at what's there, and then you can process it more uh, cognitively. You can kind of make sense of it. Um, create a cohesive narrative out of chaos, so to speak. So, yeah. But the process is very interesting to me in that what people put down on art therapy isn't art to me, mm -hmm. but is quite an expression of how they feel inside. Could you talk about that a little sure. bit Sure, yeah, because sometimes people think that um, art therapists um, uh, kind of, um, I don't want to say judge, but they interpret the work. And and I really encourage people to find the meaning in their own work so they can, uh, it helps them, gives them information about where to go next. You know, whether it be, um, if they do a body scan and they have discomfort and the, and the drawing shows that they're, where the discomfort is, okay, what does that body need? Let's a safe place for that body to be in. You know, what would that look like? So things like that where it's strength-based, where you, you help them find ways to um, cope and manage through what is expressed back to them and what they discover. So it's um, it's very personal. Um, so they learn that through the process. Yeah. So Karen, there's one thing that I, one party I went to several years in a row that was just a blast. And unfortunately you're already sold out this year, but tell us about your yearly fundraiser because it's going to happen every year. And you said there's going to be some changes. Right. Pierre Mendocino is the signature fundraiser for the Cancer Resource Center. We've normally done it every year. Uh, this will be the 17th annual Pierre Mendocino fundraiser. Uh, it's this Saturday. And as you mentioned, <laughs> Uh, it is sold out for this year. Um, but next year, uh, kind of exciting, um, the event will be moving down to Campo Vida Winery in Hopland. And it'll be August 26, 2023. So mark your calendar right now and uh, watch for tickets to go on sale probably early next summer. This event is great fun. It's outdoors. It's at Dark Horse Ranch. And, um, of course, the Dolan family has been hugely generous in donating the venue uh, for this event to take place. And um, it's, it's just an important fundraiser for us. It raises a good chunk of our budget. And uh, we just appreciate guests who come back every year 
and are generous and uh, be- they come back because they love the event, the good food, the you know wine tasting, and a lot of good friends reunited to have a good time. Live music this year with the Clay Hawkins band, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was always fun. I'm sorry I haven't been the last couple of years. Um, Sue, you also talked about art therapy, which you know I used to draw some and actually just went on vacation and I was doing my little pencil coloring. I wouldn't know if it was you'd consider it art, but there's other therapies also that you were discussing. <coughs> uh, before we move into that, yeah, sure. Uh, this is Kevin Studio. Can you um, just update everybody, reintroduce our two guests, and get the Cancer Resource Center contact information? Good point, Cobb. This is the Cancer Resource Center. This is Karen Osland. I keep stumbling on that. On Inland Inland Office phone number is 467-3828. 467-3828. And is that the number everybody calls to start with? Well, that's our Ukiah office phone number. And our our Fort Bragg office for coastal people is 707-937-3833. And actually, our coastal office is technically our main administrative office, okay. and we have someone there who is there most of the day answering the phone. So, and that's nine three seven three eight three three. And the two guests are Karen Oslin, who is the executive director. Although we're going to talk about that in a minute, and Sue Sweet, who is the MFT art therapist for the CRC, who I'm very happy to say uh, is doing her therapy classes at the camp, at the Alex Rohrbach Center in Ukiah, which we worked very hard to build. Um, tell us about your position for a moment. Yes, uh, we've recently announced, the board of directors has announced, uh, I am going to be retiring later this year, and the board has begun a search for a new executive director for the Cancer Resource Center, Um, and that person, uh, you can find information about the position on our website, as well as other information about the Cancer Resource Center. The website is crcmendocino.org. And if you just did join us, Cobb makes a good point. Um, the Cancer Resource Center is here for you. It's a free service. It gives you a lot of support, especially if you've just gotten a diagnosis of cancer. They have therapists and navigators that are um, going to make the experience a lot better for you. And discussing things other than art, Sue's going to go ahead with that. Uh, other than art therapy? Um well, um, we have the talk group that's happening on the first and third Thursday of the month, and it's from noon to one thirty, and that's at the Cancer Resource Center in Ukiah. And I just welcome people to join us if they'd like. It's it's um, it's a fun group. We uh, <clears throat> people find a lot of solace with each other, just sharing their stories and and finding resources and finding out things like just this last week um we uh, a, a patient discovered the caring kitchen which is part of um you know some services that are for cancer patients to get you know wonderful meals brought to them <coughs> excuse me um so i mean there's uh all kinds of groups happening and karen might be a little bit more up on those i know that there's zoom groups there's a uh uh care support group. Right. We have a caregiver support group led by our patient navigator, Jill Longcryer, for mm-hmm. people who are experiencing that 
really stressful time of intense caregiving for a family member, especially someone with cancer. And we also have a couple of Zoom support groups. We started this, of course, during the pandemic when we couldn't meet in person. So we moved all of our support groups onto Zoom. And two of them, uh, we have a Zoom women's group still going. It meets, um, well, actually, rather than say the times and dates and so on and get anything wrong, if you go to our website, you can look at support groups and see the listing for all the times for all of our support groups, including our women's Zoom support group. We have a wonderful men's Zoom support group facilitated by Paul Otto, who um, does a wonderful job in this, this group of I would say it's about a dozen men. Um, they're not maybe all in the Zoom together at any particular meeting, but maybe six to eight or ten of them. And they really talk, Most of, a lot of them have a prostate cancer. And so to be uh, in, a, in a setting where you can talk about these very personal things, prostate cancer, you know, what, what did you do? What was that like? What, tell me about this particular treatment. And you're hearing it firsthand. Um, I think they get a lot of value in the support they, that they get from other men who have been through prostate cancer, are going through prostate cancer. And of course, there are men in the group who are, have another type of cancer because we serve people with any type of cancer. And that's a, I'm really proud of that group. I, it's interesting to me because the Zoom men's support group has been so strong and um, very well attended. And I think, I don't know if there's a difference between maybe men like, okay, I can stay home and, you know, comfortable, I'm, I'm comfortable in my own home and I can be on Zoom and talk with other guys about cancer. Um, our women's Zoom support group has been smaller um, and I'd really like to put in a plug for that because our facilitator, Terry Basil, um, is also an MFT, just like Sue, and she's on Zoom. Um, that group meets um uh, anyway, go to our website to look at the days and times. I don't want to get it wrong, but she's just so warm and friendly to talk to. And it's it's just a confidential meeting place to talk with other people going through similar things and just provide that to receive and also to, to give. I uh, hear from people that they get great value out of supporting others who are maybe just brand new in the group, like, oh my gosh, I was diagnosed last week. And you talk to someone who says, you know, I'm, I'm in remission. I, I went through, I went through treatment last year or a couple of years ago and to just have the whole spectrum of experience and just give and also receive support. Um, I can't imagine that you have a men's group that's good with Paul Auto associated with it. <laughs> you know, I've known Paul for many years He's a very good psychologist, but, you know, he's too good. He's too smooth. I always wanted a blood transfusion or something from Paul, so maybe I would be a more quiet, mature person, you know, but um, he's a great guy. He's got a great sense of humor, and just really, I've gotten to know him in uh, Toastmasters. That's how I, I looped him in to work for us um, as a support group facilitator through that connection. So tell us about the navigation, because I think, isn't that one of the very first people? Because I think Sue made a good point. You go to the doctor, and we know all this lingo, but I'm sure it's very confusing going to the doctor and hearing about your stage 2 so-and-so and chemotherapy and what's going on. And like you say, you probably leave the office and have no idea of what's been said. Mm -hmm. Hey, sure. if I may interrupt, this is Kyle in the studio. Can we take it even a, a step backward from that on just, what is cancer and why would people want the support group and you know what's the whole definition i even wonder what's 
the crossover when I hear about cancer is an astrology sign and like how do those words relate like to somebody uh, that just has no idea what cancer question. is right um, I'll just say cancer is abnormal growth of cells and that can be uh, something just like people have skin spots that's abnormal growth of cells but it's not a not squamous cell carcinoma of your skin but for the most part we're talking about cancer being abnormal growth of cells which um be it breast cancer or lung cancer or prostate cancer you bring up another point before we get on about what they do is that um there's a lot of cancers that need to be tested to prevent finding out some terrible diagnosis that you have widely metastatic disease where cancer is spread all over your body. And I would just like to promote colonoscopies and mammographies and pap smears. And, you know, there's just a lot of going to the dermatologist to see about skin lesions. There's a lot of prevention that goes on. But principally, it's after you have the diagnosis of cancer that you call up the resource center for uh, help in trying to make sense of all of that you're all of that what you're hearing sure and you know you bring up a good point about cancer screening because we've we're coming out of this period of a couple of years where people have been hesitant to go to the doctor to go to a healthcare setting for their normal screenings and so we know that some people have postponed <clears throat> excuse me, getting a colonoscopy, and the result of that is some cancers that have grown during that period of time, and we need to find those. So return to regular medical visits and cancer screening. It's very important. So I call you up. It's the first time I just was told I came into the doctor. They had a, I had a colonoscopy, and they say you have colon cancer, and I have an appointment to, to see Dr. Wong, who's a phenomenal oncologist here in town, uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met, who sees a lot of patients in their infusion center and their office uh, across the street from the hospital does a phenomenal job. But you go, you have your first appointment to see Dr. Wong. Tell us what it's like if you call up the CRC. Sure. When you call the Cancer Resource Center um, and you get connected to a patient navigator, uh, our patient navigator will sit down with you or maybe even over the phone if you can't make it into our office and come up with just a list of your questions. Ask you, what do you want to know most of all? What are you confused about? And they assess your situation and they'll ask things like, um, is it going to be hard for you to get to this appointment? Do you need some help? Um, they'll ask, do you have friends or family? Who's there to support you? And they'll just assess your situation and see what kind of help do you need and want? Because you know, all of our services are free and voluntary. So uh, you can say, you know, I'd love to have somebody uh, help me generate a list of questions that I want to ask Dr. Wong. I want to know, you know, what what does this mean? What's the prognosis? What's it going to mean for my life? They'll ask things like, can I continue to work if I'm treated with chemotherapy? Am I still going to be able to work at my job? People have a lot of great questions, and we help them identify those questions and take that list of questions to the medical appointment. And it's a list of the things they want to know. It's a list of the things they want the doctor to know. For instance, maybe you've got a major family wedding coming up next summer and say, you know, I, I'm going for this cancer treatment. I, I want to do this. 
but I, I need to be well in order to attend this important family event. And so they, the doctor wants to know those things. So it's a, it's a process of, of a lot of listening. The patient navigator listens to you, come up with your questions. And then, very importantly, they will go with you to the appointment if you want that. Um, this is a visit accompaniment. They will audio record the visit so that you have a recording afterwards, either on a flash drive or a CD. And then they'll type up a summary, which kind of condenses and organizes the information that you are given at the appointment. So you don't have to worry in the moment of the appointment of how am I going to remember all of this, this so the jargon, every how am I going to remember this? So we have an audio recording and a summary to give you so that you can look back on that and you remember, oh yeah, I remember now. Okay, and these are the next steps. The next thing I need to do is go get a biopsy perhaps or I need to go get a PET scan or maybe I need a CT scan. You know, we get we capture all of that so that you don't have to stress in a moment about remembering this really large amount of information. So one of the things that um, I think, especially since we have such a small rural county, is the sense that you're not doing this alone with the therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me more about that, because if you ask me, it's one thing to get a diagnosis of cancer. It's another thing to feel like you're doing it alone or if you have the support of the art group. In fact, I would think there's more to just drawing in the art group. It's the group that you're with. Oh, it's it's huge. Yeah, they, they really connect. Um, they <clears throat> Several of them have created relationships outside of the group, and they go to lunch, and they take each other to appointments, and attend memorial services, you know, when uh, we have lost some patients in our group over the years. Um, Really um, wonderful bonding that happens. And I also think it's important to serve food at my art therapy group because it's a real socialized piece of it. And um, people always connect around food. And so there's, uh, it. um, they, they really do form strong bonds and friendships and a lot of uh, the patients are live alone they can be isolated they're you know so they um i've just seen many of them blossom and then do other things like oh i think i'm going to take an art class at the college or um let's all plan a lunch together and things like that so i feel like it's um and that's what i intended that's what i really was hoping would happen and uh, so many of many people who've been in the group have been in it for years. They just keep going. Um, so one thing before we, before Cobb starts taking phone calls, I think one of the more difficult jobs is being a caregiver. Um, who wants mm-hmm. to talk about being a caregiver? Because to me, um, you don't have the diagnosis, but you have a lot of the stress that's associated with it. Sure, and we do have a cancer caregiver support group, which meets twice a month. It's led by Jill Longcryer, uh, who has been a caregiver for family members and really brings a lot to that group, a lot of empathy and understanding. And the nice thing about that group is a Zoom group because caregivers often cannot leave their the person that they're caring for. So that Zoom group is really easy for them to attend and just the the moral support that you can give and receive from others who are in that intense, intensely demanding, um, physically and emotionally demanding situation is really wonderful. I would have a very difficult time being the perfect caregiver, you know, always being supportive. and It's so hard, yeah. I don't know. And 
one other thing, uh, Dr. Trotter, uh, a lot of people, maybe they know this in, inside, but they haven't really processed it, is cancer is closely related to aging. So if you notice that people in your life that you've known had cancer, probably many of them are older. The median age of a cancer diagnosis in the U.S. is 66. So younger people do get cancer, but largely we are at greater and greater risk of getting any type of cancer the older we get. So when we are navigating cancer patients, a lot of times they are elderly people, and elderly people are more likely to be alone because they're at an age when many of their friends have passed, maybe their spouse has passed away, or they are divorced, or they just choose to live independently alone. Their children often have moved to other parts of the country or state, and so it's that challenge of na- of navigating a cancer patient who is older and maybe living alone, maybe off the grid. You know, we have back to the land people who have come to, you know, to Mendocino County years ago, and they live out in the woods and they've aged there, and now they're older and uh, now they have cancer and need support. So um, we're there to try to help solve some of those problems. Cobb, you want us to start taking phone calls? Sure. So if you are tuned to KZYX right now, you know it because that's what you're listening to is KZYX. And if you want to call in and join the show and ask a question of either of our guests, you can call 707-895-2448 to get live into the studio. And Marvin, with that, will you reintroduce our guests and what the Cancer Resource Center is and give out the contact information okay i'm here with karen osland uh she's the executive director if you want to be the new executive director uh, start thinking about it um the inland phone number is 467-3828 467-3828 and the fort bragg main office number is 937-3833 937-3833 and the other person is sue sweet who i've known as as, as an art goddess for for since 1990 uh and my wife Cass is take starting is very excited starting to take another art class at the college uh today starting today and thursday and it is amazing to me how art is something that i don't think that we do nearly enough of or used more you know or maybe i'm ignorant but there's something about drawing that you're not watching the tv you're not on facebook you're doing something individual, and I was just coloring uh, in a lizard while I was in Hawaii on vacation with a great deal of satisfaction that I'm going to show you the armadillo that I completed, which is a fascinating piece of artwork. Um, but, you know, art is something that more people should do. Yeah, Before we yeah. get into the, the art therapy group, we do have a caller no? waiting okay, for a question. Go ahead. Uh, welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Thank you so much. Um, my question is: um, <clears throat> um, uh, What support does the Cancer um, Resource Center give to people as far as nutrition is concerned? And if you allow me, I would like to let you know that Public Health is sponsoring a class on um, boosting your immunity. Uh, it starts August 30th, next week, Tuesday, on Zoom. And if you like me to, I can give you um, the phone number to call. To Please, register. Sir. Tell us the phone number. It's 
1-800-273-8675. And I thank you so much for um, sharing what an amazing support you're providing to cancer patients with the patient navigator. Thank you so much. You know, she brings up a really important topic is nutrition, mm-hmm. which I think would be a struggle with a lot of people when they're having the diagnosis of chemotherapy. Um, I'm glad that there's a nutrition class at public health. What do you want to So we can connect people to a local nutritionist. There are many good ones here in Mendocino County, and we have had uh, speakers in our support group, such as Anna Rathbun. She's over on the coast and um, is a nutritional uh, dietary consultant. I'm not sure the exact official title of her um, role. Um, So we can connect people to personalized help help if they want uh, nutritional guidance. We also have a resource lending library. We have all kinds of cookbooks and resource books about nutrition and cancer, um, cooking healthy meals during cancer, um, that kind of thing. And then inland in Mendocino County, we're very, very fortunate to have a strong partnership with a program called the Caring Kitchen. This is a program of NCO, North Coast Opportunities. It's been around for several years now, and they actually cook and deliver once a week these wonderful, organic, uh, largely almost totally plant-based meals to people. It's delivered to your door, and they feed the whole family. So if you have a, a cancer patient in the home, but they have you know some children and a spouse or whatever, they will provide enough food for a meal for the whole family. And it's often enough to you know have a, a light dinner and then maybe lunch the next day with the leftovers. Usually there's a, a soup and a salad and a main dish and um, a healthy dessert. So um, Caring Kitchen, um, we... We refer people directly to them, um, actually people who are clients of the Cancer Resource Center if they're inland. Um, this is a program in Uka- it's based in Ukiah, but they also deliver to Willits and Redwood Valley. It's, it's not on the coast yet, unfortunately. We need somebody to come along and start it up on the coast. Okay, and we have another caller with another question. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Uh, go ahead with your question. Are you there, caller? Okay, well, if you are tuned into Casey Wax right now, you can call into the show at 895-2448. That's 895-2448. We'll get you live into the studio with a question for either of our guests. Um, and I still want to follow up uh, with regards to cancer myself. I'm just wondering if you can go back a little bit because, you know, a person gets diagnosed with cancer and why is it they want the Cancer Resource Center? Because where I'm coming from this is cancer isn't necessarily fatal, but it's associated with being a terminal illness or there's a lot of risks with the care. Can you kind of just cover that spectrum and why people would um, want to seek out this resource center? Thanks. Well, there's a variety of types of cancer. Some types of cancer um, people may uh, live with for many years and not even know, and then it's discovered. And then the question is, how how will this be treated? How should this be treated? How do I want this to be treated? Because uh, one of our values at the Cancer Resource Center is that 
people have um, self-determination. Everyone's situation is different. Some people, you know, depending on their stage of life, you know, I want aggressive treatment. I, I kind of don't want to treat this or, you know, whatever their life circumstance is, we value um, their self-determination. But Depending on the type of cancer, um, so some cancers are aggressive and move and grow quickly. And uh, the earlier cancer is found, the usually the better prognosis. Um, so just to use the example of colon cancer, because colon cancer is being found now in younger and younger people, and I don't think that uh, science really has the answer, the the overall answer, the correct answer why that is. There are some theories. But uh, the American Cancer Society has now recommended that people um, get their first colonoscopy at 45. Now, why do that? Because if a polyp, a precancerous polyp is found and removed during a routine colonoscopy, that is a cancer that was prevented. Um, and if, if a cancer is found later, it's usually bigger. Um, it would take more intervention to remove that. So the bigger the cancer grows, when, when it has uh, metastasized, that means that the cancer cells have moved to other parts of the body. So if cancer, you know, begins growing, um, say, in your breast or your colon, wherever, um, and then cancer cells shed off through the bloodstream and the lymph system, they go to other parts of the body, and uh, they can they can cause serious disease and um, sometimes eventually death. And so early intervention is key. Um, and at the Cancer Resource Center, as um, we help people solve barriers to care. Some people may feel like, you know, I can I can never have this cancer treated. I don't have insurance. I can't afford this. We we help people solve those problems because it's my belief that healthcare is a right that everyone should have uh, equal access to healthcare that there is no person whose um, medical condition should not be treated so that they do not have to suffer. Um, and too many people living in poverty or in other circumstances feel like, well, I just, I'm not one of those people who goes to the doctor. I don't, I don't have health insurance. And, you know, we can help people get medical insurance. We can refer them to places to go and um, help them get set up with health insurance because um, no one should just feel like, well, I, I have cancer now. I guess I just, you know, I guess I'll just die. Um, that's, that's terrible. So, so why the Cancer Resource Center? Because we can help. Uh, we want to help where we've been supported by the community and put in place in order to provide that kind of support to people. Um, yeah. Thanks. And we have a caller with a question. Hi. Actually, I have a comment. And you, you all have been talking earlier about screenings. And uh, I wanted to say that there are some cancers that um, can't be revealed through screenings. And I, for one, I had ovarian cancer, and there is no screening for that. And so I just wanted female listeners to know that there are symptoms, signs, that could be ovarian cancer and that they should... Um, you know, visit their doctor if they have suddenly start feeling bloated and have frequent urination. Of course, that isn't definitely a sign of ovarian cancer, but it, it, those are symptoms that you shouldn't ignore and that you should just, you should go get checked out. So that was one thing um, I wanted to say in regards to, uh, you know, cancer, ovarian cancer that you can't, uh, you can't identify through screenings. And the second thing, was just to give kudos to the CRC 
And uh, one thing I'm not sure that you discussed was that the CRC has uh, incredible connections with uh, UCSF. And so they can really get help you access care uh, through their through their connections. And that's all my comments. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Um, the caller brings up ovarian cancer. I was shocked to see um, on the Sunday morning news Chris Everett, uh, the famous tennis player, uh, talking about the fact that her sister came down with ovarian cancer, and she went and got tested, and she had the BRCA gene, the BRCA gene, and decided to have a total hysterectomy, and she had ovarian cancer, but it wasn't uh, metastasized or anything and was considered a cure because she went and got tested. And just for people to realize also uh, the BRCA gene and your family history, if there's someone in your family that's had colon cancer, you should get a colonoscopy earlier or more frequently than other people. And there are preventative things. I know that um, cervical cancer uh, I had my youngest daughter, I think when she was 13, get a HPV um, vaccine that the everybody thought I was a little crazy. She's 13. Why are you giving her a, a human papillomavirus uh, vaccination? You also are getting it for men. But there's a lot of um, cancers out there, as the caller said, that uh, may not concern you. But you should go see somebody. I think 80 or 90% of people that find out they have breast cancer was because a woman felt a lump on self-examination. It isn't, you know, just, you know, all cancers aren't found by mammography. So being aware of your body, um, going to see about symptoms that make no sense to you. And the last thing I'll see, say is that, you know, lung cancer and I won't get into vaping and cigarette smoking and, you know, flavored cigarettes. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of cancers that uh, people just don't realize. More women in California die of lung cancer than breast cancer from smoking. And I think that um, there's a lot of this that can be prevented, but that we, um, you know, uh, should do better about. Yeah. So, Marvin, I wanted to get back to what you talked about when you were um, drawing the lizard and you were it was calming you down and all of that. Yeah. And, and they've actually done studies on people when they're doing art and they're engaged that it lowers blood pressure, it lowers heart rate. Um, I call it the zone. And so um, when I'm working with a group, I really strive to get them to drop into that place because you're not worried about what's coming up. You're not worried what's happened in the past. You're in the present moment. Your body, I think, I believe your whole nervous system gets a break. And so you, <clears throat> it's a healing place. So um, I, I, that's, um, and most people stop doing art at the age of nine. You mentioned that before. Like, why do people stop doing art? And the uh, average is age is nine. And I think, no kidding. Yeah, I think they get, people get self conscious and they're just like, ah, or someone, you know, a teacher says, oh, you drew outside the lines or whatever. But um, so it kind of shuts people down. But, um, yeah, so that's a big part of it is just dropping into um, a very quiet place that keeps you present. You made me reminded me of a study somebody did in Pennsylvania where they had people getting breast cancer chemotherapy, and they started two groups. One got the standard therapy. The other therapy listened to music. 
There was uh, some incense being burned. They were eating something very tasty and had some pretty art to look at. And the people that had this therapy somehow did their did better because their immune systems or something, they knew that they were about to get their chemotherapy, mm-hmm. but their body was somehow responding to all the external um, therapy, and they did better with their chemotherapy and received less chemotherapy than the other group of the people that had this sensual or sensory um, triggers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a, a example of kind of holistic, whole body um, healing where you go after, you know, Western medicine and chemotherapy and everything you need on that end, but then you take care of the emotional side and the psychological side and helping them make sense of things and you know kind of pulling um pulling together uh their own story is really important instead of just kind of being in this chaotic place of uh and doing that with other people so they help make each other make sense so that's the group dynamic is really powerful in that way yeah right and so we were earlier going to hear more details about uh, the art therapy groups and the different forms of art therapy and some more details on your occupation as an art therapist. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I got a frog in my throat. Um, well, I, uh, I that's a, a broad question. I'm um, in private practice and see clients in my office and then also um, do the, the group for Cancer Resource Center. Um, that's going to be starting up, actually. Our next series is starting up on September 9th. Uh, it's at the ARC, the Alex Warbach uh, Center. And um, it's uh, Fridays, eight Fridays in a row. It's an eight-week series from 9.30 to noon. And um, it's filling up pretty quick. It's it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it starting. And... We will go back to um, the first thing I do when people walk in is they get their own art therapy journal, and that helps them uh, track their um, experience through the eight-week series, and it kind of bridges between when we meet, and so they bring their journals to each session, and often um, I encourage them to, after the group, to go home and journal, or journal in the while they're in the group, and um, all of that kind of supports their their process um and we're hoping to keep it going after the eight weeks we'll see how that goes um tell us more go ahead go ahead what's what's the significance in terms of of joining an art therapy group as a as a cancer survivor or somebody navigating cancer how does how does that um serve them and help them through that process good question um well they're not it makes them um it helps them feel not alone in the process it can be very isolating to to have cancer um it kind of reminds me of of um war vets who've been in the trenches together and you know how they gravitate towards each other because they know that the other person really gets it and it's it's that way with cancer um people know that they can share these intimate details and it's it's okay so i really strive to create a, a space for people to do that and um 
not only to share resources, it's not about fixing each other, it's more about witnessing each other and um, having a place to, to, to do that because we were talking about caregivers earlier and they have, so for a cancer patient to have an outlet to cry or rage or, you know, and you can do all that through art um, or, or, you know, voice it, whatever, whatever form it takes, but uh, to have a place to do that really helps the whole, not only the patient, but the whole family. And the, because they, um, and also um, they can identify things that they need to talk to their family about that maybe they haven't talked about yet to them. So it, it help, I've seen it help patients um, increase their ability to identify what they need and then to express that to their families or express that to their physicians. Um, so, and also just the universal fear of cancer returning. Um, we have patients in the group that uh, have a history of cancer but are, are in the clear now, but there's always that uh, you know, cloud looming over people and, and um, slice little uh, discomfort is can be really alarming, you know, so, <clears throat> so it's nice to have people to uh, have a place for people to, to uh, process that, because that's a big one. What, what types of art are you engaged with facilitating when you're in these uh, art groups? It's it's all finger painting. <laughs> we have done that. We have done that. I've got some great pictures of finger painting. Um, there's such a variety of things, and it's usually theme-based. So um, it could be, let's say, that they do um, a body scan where, they, where we do a guided visualization and they track what's happening in their body. They draw that on a figure. And let's say the figure, uh, then we maybe cut that figure out of the paper and put it and they create a healing place for that figure to be. What does that figure need? Um, what's healing? What what do they want in that uh, environment? So, in doing that, they're identifying what they really need. What they're you know. So it's strength based work. Um, we've done collaborative work where they all work on things. They all work on. Um, for example, we did a a big silk painting that's hanging in the infusion center now. I think that everybody contributed to an underwater scene so uh, they all work on things together which is very bonding um what else god they've done so many uh <clears throat> we've done um lino block printing uh, they've made personal um shrines so there's been some wonderful shrines I, i'm thinking of one patient who uh, made a shrine to his new granddaughter um and um just you know a variety of things yeah i have another question sue sweet um you said you're an art therapist and before that was an acronym was it mft yeah it's a marriage family therapist so, oh got it yeah so i did that first and then i did a post masters in art therapy so i could become an art therapist because that was was really my goal um but i'm glad i did both yeah. so I, so to be an art therapist yeah, could you just briefly outline what that career path is for anyone hearing that and be like, oh, that'd be a fun, yeah. interesting you know, occupation to learn about? <clears throat> well, there's, uh, yeah, it's there's different programs. Um, it's uh, 
there's a program in Notre Dame um, where it's a combined MFT art therapist um, program. Um, but most often it's a, it's a post-grad program that you get after you're licensed um, as a, as a MFT or LCSW. So it's, um, I just, I had used art my whole life as a healing uh, mode. So I knew that's what I wanted. Um, so yeah, it's used a lot in the medical field. I think it's used more in the medical field than it is uh, out, out in the community. Really. Um, since we're running out of time, I kind of wanted to give the people a, a sense of the cancer resource therapy is sort of like you're ex an extended family. That th having a diagnosis of cancer is a very overwhelming um, phrase to hear from somebody to say, "Oh, you have metastatic lung cancer" is a is a devastating sentence. And no caregiver, no family member is able to do all this alone. And that's the thing about the Cancer Resource Center that that I think is wonderful, is that you have six or eight different types of help that can be a, uh, help you with this diagnosis. Transportation, emotional, art therapy, medical appointment, recording. Karen, could you One of the close for us sure. this way? One of the things uh, we didn't mention yet is that we just have all kinds of practical help for people. We have free wigs, and people go through chemotherapy, sometimes they lose their hair. We don't have to go out and buy a wig for hundreds of dollars. We have wonderful, a wonderful selection in each of our offices, and they're free. Uh, we have mastectomy bras. We have um, port pillows, port protectors, things that people who haven't had cancer before, which is most of the people who come to us, they don't know they need it, but you know this can make your journey more comfortable. This will this just helps the seatbelt not push on your your chemotherapy port. Oh, oh, I didn't know I needed that. Uh, we have smocks. Um, people who uh, go through especially a mastectomy surgery and they have surgical drains. We have the special garments, um, camisoles, and smocks that you can wear that hold the the drains, and so that you can move around more comfortably. Um, just a lot of practical advice. Um, recently, we've had some people ask about these. Um, they're called cold mitts and cold hats. So uh, when you go through chemotherapy, um, some drugs uh, come with a risk of neuropathy, which is like a numbness in your fingers and your toes, your extremities. And we have these, these it's almost like putting um, cold packs, cold pack gloves on your fingers and your feet and, and maybe your head. Um, that will reduce the risk of having those symptoms after chemotherapy. And they're kind of expensive, but we have some uh, that have been given to us and that we can lend out to people. So uh, you maybe that, I mean, that's a really practical thing. People don't know about that, but we can tell you, you know, this this might help you. You want, might want to try this and we have these for free. So lots of practical help. The Cancer Resource Center has a lot of help. If you just give them a call at 9 um three seven three eight three three or a nine or or um sorry yeah or if you could both uh, or give your number. contact information again and where your physical offices are and where to find you online for anyone who's interested Sure thing. Our Fort Bragg office is on Cypress Street. We're right next door to the hospital in Fort Bragg and our Ukiah office is on West Gobi Street, 275 West Gobi is our Ukiah office. Um, it's always good to call first and make an appointment because our patient navigators are often out at medical appointments with clients. And so 
Uh, you might you might get lucky and somebody might be in the office and just ready to sit down with you, but it's much better to make an appointment so that you know you have dedicated time set aside uh, with a navigator to speak with you. And everything, all everything we talked about today is on our website, crcmendocino.org. Great, and we have just a few seconds to go. Um, We've been listening to Mind, Body, Health, and thank you, Dr. Marvin Trotter, and our two guests, uh, Sue Sweet, who's our art thank therapist, you, Cobb. and Karen Oslin, um, is the executive director. And the, that other voice he heard, goodbye, Marvin, is our great guest, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Thanks for being on today. Thank you, Cobb, for making everything run so smoothly. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.